Well, good morning. Good to be with you all today. So we are a little over halfway through January of a new year. So I just want to ask, how are you feeling about 2020? How's it going, right? How are you feeling? How do you feel about the future in general? As you just think about the days ahead, how do you feel? What, what comes up for you? Are you excited and hopeful? Are you discouraged and worried? I think this question is actually about more than just maybe your plans for this year. I think it stands at the center of a huge ideological divide. How do you feel about the future? What do you want to do about the future? Our society uses words like progressive and conservative to talk about politics and ideologies and things. And and, and I think it really has to do with this question about the future, right? Is the goal to keep progressing toward a better future? Or is the goal to conserve the good that we have or the good from the past, right? Are we essentially trying to to go forward or, or to go back? And this question goes far deeper than politics. I think it is actually a question about the essence of reality itself. The question is, are things essentially good and getting better, or are things essentially bad and getting worse? And we can ask the same of ourselves. Are we good and getting better? Or are we bad and getting worse? And you see, there are all kinds of competing narratives about this. You know, varying statistics about crime rates going up or coming down. Or about the environment and and global warming getting worse or getting better, or statistics about the economy growing, or maybe just sort of pending some kind of collapse, stories about people becoming more loving and unified, but also people becoming more angry and divided. Man, it's hard to know what to believe. It's hard to know what to think about all of this. And, and this mix of optimism and pessimism has been going on for a long time. And, and I think it, it is good to be hopeful and, and to have hope for the future. But I think sometimes optimism can be misplaced. I came across this quote the other day. It goes, It is a fact that war on a great scale is becoming obsolete. Business and humanity combined are growing too powerful to permit the peace of the world to be seriously endangered, except for some very grave cause. 
This quote appeared in an opinion column in a newspaper in 1903. The beginning of the 20th century was this time of great optimism. The invention of cars, planes, telephones, the world was more connected than it had ever been before. And it seemed like humanity had, as it says, grown too powerful to permit the peace of the world to be seriously endangered. War was obsolete, or so they thought. And yet, these new inventions, you know, they could have and and maybe should have led to great peace, but it turns out that airplanes and vehicles just led to bigger and better ways to blow things up. And the 20th century would hold two of the greatest conflicts in all of history, so great that they are known as World War I and II. So sometimes optimism can be misplaced. But you don't have to look too far to find a great deal of pessimism as well. Here's another quote that I heard recently. Hear this. Today's youth is rotten to the core. It is evil, godless, and lazy. And it will never be what youth used to be. And they will never be able to preserve our culture. Now, this quote could easily have been pulled from a Facebook rant or maybe heard over the table at Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner over the holidays, or maybe you felt that way yourself recently. But this quote is actually translated from a Babylonian tablet about 3,000 years ago. So it's been a while that people have been frustrated with the youth of the day. This sort of pessimistic view of the future has been around for a while. And perhaps, in a sense, what that person wrote was true about not preserving the culture, because if you wanted to plan your summer vacation to Babylon, it's not there anymore, right? Uh, You'll quickly find that. But the point is this. Whether you're convinced that things are essentially good and getting better, or essentially bad and getting worse. Whichever end of this spectrum you're on, I think we all need to pause for a moment and reconsider reality. And I think our text today is going to challenge all of us about the way that things are. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13 is where we're going to be, uh, beginning in verse 24. And as you're turning there, I'll remind you that last week we began this new series here in Matthew 13, which is made up entirely of parables. And As we look at this, we can see that when Jesus taught, it was not systematic theology. He didn't speak in bullet point sermons, but rather he spoke in pictures and in stories. He painted with parables. 
And last week we saw that the point of these parables is not only to look and to listen, but really to live. To not only look at the pictures and listen to the stories, but to enter into them and really live in them. For these pictures to become the world that we live in. For these stories to become the stories of our very own lives. And in this way, parables are so much better than bullet point sermons. Because with bullet points, you might walk away with a full page of notes, but can easily still have an empty life. But parables, though they may be more difficult to take notes on, spark our imagination, our creativity, and invite the fullness of our lives into the kingdom of God. So today we have another of Jesus' parables to listen to, to look at, and to inspire us to live. And I think it's one that helps us understand the way that things are, why they are like this, and how we should live in the midst of it. So Matthew 13, beginning in verse 24, hear the word of the Lord. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? And he answered, An enemy has done this. And so the slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No. For in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. And now jump down to verse 36. Jesus gives an interpretation of this parable. Then he left the crowds and went into the house and his disciples approached him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. And he answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. And just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers. And they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let anyone with ears listen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you for your word. Jesus, thank you for these stories that invite our lives into them. I pray that as we consider the words of your scriptures, that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts, that we might know you and love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we began with this question about how you feel about the future, which really is a question that reveals what you believe about how things are. And I think this parable seeks to describe the way things actually are. So what are things like? Well, Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is like someone who sowed good seed in his field, but an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat. So when the plants came up and bore grain, the weeds appeared as well. So what is the world like? Is it a field of wheat growing up into grain? Or is it a field of weeds sprouting up into nothing at all worthwhile? Is it good and getting better? Or is it bad and getting worse? Well, which one is it? I think the answer is yes. Yes. I think Jesus is being incredibly honest here. Jesus is not overly pessimistic, right? He doesn't think the world is going to hell in a handbasket. He knows that there is good seed. He knows there are good plants. And he knows that they are bearing good fruit. After all, he is the one who planted the good seed. But he also knows that there is something really wrong in the world. He knows that there really is evil at work. After all, he looked at it in the face while he was fasting in the wilderness. And he will face that evil all the more closely when he comes to the cross. Jesus knows better than to see the world through rose-colored glasses. And so Jesus is really honest here. And I think he challenges every one of us to those who think that war is obsolete. Jesus warns us to check the heart of humanity and be aware that there is evil that lurks there. But to those who think that, well, kids these days are nothing but trouble, he might just encourage you to look a little more deeply and see the image of God in every person. You see, the world is bad and often getting worse, but there is also so much beauty and goodness, and that too is growing each and every day. If only we have eyes to see or ears to hear. But there's something else going on here as well, I think. The word weed 
that Jesus uses here is zizania or zizania, and it refers to a specific kind of weed that looks just like wheat. I want you to take a look. I have a photo in here, I think. There it is. So one of these is zizania, and the other is wheat before it is ripe for harvest. Do you know which is which? Some of you might, yeah? It's hard to tell. So in this parable, oh, if you're curious, the one on the left is the weed, and the one on the right is the wheat. But in this parable, Jesus is not only saying that good and bad are growing up together in the field, but also that we often can't tell them apart. We often can't tell the good and the bad apart. There are people who we make assumptions and judgments about who daily are bearing good fruit. Meanwhile, there are plenty of good old church folk who may not have the kingdom of God in them at all. This is why Jesus sits at tables with both scandalous sinners and religious leaders. Prostitutes, tax collectors, Pharisees, and scribes can all be found in Jesus' company. And to anyone looking on, some would clearly say, well, these ones are weeds. And others would clearly appear to be wheat. But Jesus sees past all of that. So, The world we live in is a field of wheat and weeds that are growing together. So how do we respond to this situation? What do we think about this situation, the way that the world is? Well, I think the questions that the servants ask in the parable are really helpful. And so the first question is in verse 27. The servants come and ask, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? And you see, just like Jesus' parable is a really honest take on how things are, I think this is a really honest response. Because we can often respond this way when we encounter weeds in the world. When we witness great evils done in our world or when we face suffering, and especially when that evil and suffering comes upon good people, people who love and follow God, we can't help but ask, Master, Did you not sow good seed in your field? God, don't you promise goodness to your people? God, I thought you were good. Why are bad things happening to all kinds of good people? Why is there so much needless suffering? In other words, Where did all these weeds come from? Right? We can't help 
but ask these questions. Question the goodness of God and and feel surprised and angry at these weeds. And that's what they ask. And so why are things this way? Well, what does the parable say? Right? The servants ask, where did these weeds come from? And in verse 28, the master replies, an enemy has done this. An enemy has done this. You see, we come together every week to worship and pray to God, but we need to be aware that there is an enemy as well. We pray for the kingdom of God to come on earth as it is in heaven, and that's because there is another kingdom on earth that is not God's kingdom. It's the kingdom of an enemy. And this is the story that we read all throughout Scripture. God created the earth, and he planted a garden, and he called it good. But an enemy entered that garden and planted weeds, so to speak, and led people astray. And then again, God called the people to himself. He delivered them from slavery and planted them in a land of their own. But they turned away from him, and they followed after other gods, right? And even Jesus comes, and he calls disciples to him. He loves them. He teaches them, but even one of them turned from him and betrayed him. In Luke 22, he describes that as Satan entering Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve. You see, there is an enemy that we need to be aware of. There is an evil that tempts our hearts and troubles our minds and even afflicts our bodies. Sickness and disease, cancer and chronic pain, betrayal and lust, Arrogance and pride, apathy and sloth. All of these things are the work of the enemy among us, planting weeds in God's good world. Even death itself, Scripture says, is the last enemy to be destroyed. And so when we come to question God, we must remember this parable. He is the one who plants good seeds. And when we come to despair, we must remember that the weeds we encounter will not last. And as we wrestle with the question of why all of these bad things are happening around us and even to us, we must remember that we are often lousy at telling the wheat and the weeds apart. And though not all things are good, God can work all things for the good of those 
who he has called. And so the servants ask, Master, didn't you sow good seed? And the answer is yes, God is good. And then they ask, well, where did these weeds come from? And the answer is there is an enemy. And so what do we do about all of this? How do we respond? Well, that's the next question that they ask. In verse 28, they say, so do you want us to go and gather the weeds? And what does he say? No. He says no. And this is surprising and shocking to us, and it would have been surprising and shocking to the people then, too. I think this may be why Jesus' disciples followed up on this parable afterwards. They asked Jesus in verse 36, Hey, what was that parable about the weeds all about? What do you mean? What does this mean? You see, this would have been surprising because it went against most of the people's expectations. You see, we've, we've talked about this before. The nation of Israel was once a great kingdom. But then they were divided and defeated and overthrown and brought off into exile. And over time, they were able to return to their homes. But they still didn't have any power. Right? Though they were allowed to return home and allowed to rebuild the temple, there still wasn't a kingdom. They were still waiting for this kingdom to be restored. They were occupied and ruled by Rome. And so the people were waiting for a Messiah, for a king who would come and lead the people to overthrow Rome, the pagan kingdom, and then reestablish the kingdom of God. So here comes Jesus, right? And he is proclaiming, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is here. And the people are following him, and they're getting excited. They're getting pumped up about this. And he tells this parable. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a field of wheat and weeds. And the people would have said, yes, you're right. We are here in God's land and it's full of weeds. Look at the pagans everywhere. And then Jesus would go on to say in the parable, the master uh, would say, things got this way because an enemy has done this. And the people would have said, yes, you're right. Rome is our great enemy. They rule over us. They persecute us. And then the servants in the parable ask, should we go pull up the weeds? And the people, just imagine, they're all on the edge of their seats. They're ready to say, yes, let's go. The time is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. And I got to admit, this parable could be a perfect battle speech. I mean, it's like Aragorn at the Black Gate and Lord of the Rings. It's like William Wallace before all of those scared Scotsmen. Should we go pull up the weeds? And he says, no. No. 
You see, many Messiah figures had popped up over the years. They had attempted to lead rebellions against the occupying state, and each had failed and fallen. And what Jesus is saying is that the kingdom he's talking about is not like that. The kingdom that he brings is not this kind of kingdom. It won't be won this way. I think when he says no in the parable, it's very much like our dwelling passage that we've been reading, where Jeremiah says not to trust the various prophets and diviners who are saying lies in God's name. Right? These false prophets were saying that their exile would be over any time now, and they would soon be returning to their land. So it was time to go. It was time to head back. They were, in essence, saying it was time to tear up the weeds. But we've all been reading this dwelling passage for a while. Jeremiah goes on to say that, no, they're all lying. Only when Babylon's 70 years are completed will I visit you. Then I will fulfill my promise and bring you back. He says, no, the time is not now, and the work is not yours. I will bring you back at the right time. And I think this is what this parable is saying. No, don't tear up the weeds. When the time is ready, the reapers will come, and God will take care of things. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us here, now, today? Well, I think it means that though we must be discerning about our world of wheat and weeds, it is not our place to go around tearing up weeds. Jesus says this another way elsewhere. Judge not lest you be judged. You see, it is not our place to go around pronouncing judgments on others. Just imagine a world for a second where the church did not think it was the judge and jury of everyone else. Has that ever happened before? Has the church ever done this kind of thing? You've experienced that judgment. You've made those judgments. There's a long history of churches splitting because they're judging one another. There's a history of crusades being led because people are judging one another. Should we go pull up the weeds? No. That's not what we're called to do. So as we reflect on this parable, we should not be surprised when trials come, because the world that we live in is full of wheat and weeds. And when we encounter those weeds, we should not doubt the goodness of God, because he is the one who plants good seed, and the bad seed was sown 
by an enemy. And we should not despair whenever we think that we've come into touch with a weed. Because what we think might be a weed might actually turn out to be wheat, producing good fruit in our lives. And whatever turns out to actually be a weed is going to be torn up one day, and it will be destroyed. And in the midst of all of this, it is not our place to judge and pull up the weeds. It is not the time, and it is not our place. That is God's work. So these are all the things that we should not do. What should we do? Well, we are called to wait on the Lord. And as we wait, we are called to grow. We should rest in the knowledge that we are those who have been planted by God. We have been planted by God, and God calls us to grow. And we should know that Jesus is not only the one who plants the good seed, but he himself is the good seed, who was planted in his death on the cross. And he is the one who sprouted forth in his resurrection. And we too can be buried with him in baptism and raised with him to new life. And we practice this death and resurrection every day as we immerse ourselves in the story of Scripture and devote ourselves to prayer and commit ourselves to love and serve all those around us. God has planted good seed, so let us grow. Amen.